What happened to music that meant something? The Who at the Kingdom or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the Misty Mountain Hop? Where is the is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Not a test. This is rock and roll. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Codd. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, we want to scare the pants off of you, basically. <laughs> Let's just come right out and say it. Uh, we've got Halloween coming up. We are in a Halloween sort of mood here. We've got uh, some amazingly frightening music to play for you tonight. And, and this is this is your favorite holiday. It is. It for listeners is. who don't know, I just want to inject this. You go up to Shea Cot on the uh, north side of Chicago yep. here, and you recreate a rock and roll graveyard every <laughs> Halloween in your front yard. You get the well, the entire block does. The entire block that I live on in, well, in Chicago does that. But you do the rock and roll graveyard, and you have tunes piped out there, and yeah. you got... For everybody else, it's Christmas or Easter, whatever. For, for me, it's Halloween. This See, is people, uh, I think an amazing would think that time I'm the scary one. <laughs> but no, you. this is your favorite holiday. Well, we came loaded tonight, Jim. We are not only going to play some of the scariest records of all time at the end of this show, we're also going to be talking about this new box set, basically compiling the career of uh, goth rock. We're going to talk about what goth rock is why it's still relevant, and we're going to have one of the leading experts in the area to talk about it. DJ Scary Lady Sarah spins records all over the world and is uh, probably one of the key people in uniting the underground goth community, which is still thriving. But first, as always on Sound Opinions, we have some news, and it's a particularly appropriate story. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. Oh, man. That is Goodbye, My Lover, the uh, the other hit single by uh, best-selling, inexplicably best-selling British <laughs> singer-songwriter James Blunt. Why are we playing it, Greg? Because there is a new study out of the U.K., based on a questionnaire sent to 5,000 music lovers. And the question was, what song would you want to have played at your funeral? <laughs> Number one was Goodbye, My Lover by James Blunt. That's a horrible choice. I mean, i got to believe, of all the songs of all time, that's the best you can do at your funeral. I mean, this, you're going out, folks. I know, I know. This is the last day on earth, you know. <laughs> and you're going to have that song played. Well, you're probably already as gone. the way that people remember you by, you know, come on. I mean, the thing is that it makes me want to kill myself. I don't know <laughs> if that's the tie-in that people were thinking of. We took a look at the rest of this list. The second most popular hit single was Angels by uh, Robbie Williams. I don't even... You know, it doesn't even register in America, but yeah. over in the UK, they like to go out with it. I've had the time of my life, which is that Bill Medley, Jennifer Warren's song from uh, Dirty Dancing. Yeah, boy, that's a that's an odd choice, an odd choice. I yeah. mean, Warren's and Medley are a couple of great singers, but uh, that was not their greatest moment. Patrick Swayze say. makes me think of death. A number four song uh, on the list, Jim. I've heard a number of people, friends of mine, mention this song. People as, you, as you are still friends with? They have actively discussed about playing their funeral. Yes, oh, and no. I'm saying, you know, our friendship could end as a result of this. I mean, yeah. you want Bette Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings played at your funeral? Did you ever know that you're my hero? And 
I mean, come on, we're friends. We can't yeah. we can't be friends and, and have that between us. Come on. Well, it, it, number five is a classic. I mean, this is you can't go wrong with this. It's the uh, Roman Catholic Requiem, P.A. Jesu. It's the only non-pop song, apparently, that uh, in the top surfaced, ten. Although I do believe that the Gregorian monks uh, got together with Elvis at uh, Sun Studios and tried to record a version of this yeah. around 1955. There's probably a mashup of it yeah. somewhere. Uh, the rest of the list is uh, Candle in the Wind at number six, U2's With or Without You, Eric Clapton's Tears in Heaven, which is interesting because Clapton wrote the music, but he had a lyricist write the uh, the, the, the words uh, inspired by his son's death, which is kind of a tragedy. And the police, Every Breath You Take. Not much of a list, if you ask me. Yeah. So, so we, you know, the only people who have better taste than us are our listeners. So we threw this question out. So, uh, so, so we've got some fun suggestions here, much better than this list. I think Jude gets us off to a really nice start with a suggestion to play Santo and Johnny's Sleepwalk. Oh, that's, that's a, a good, good one. says, what tune says, sorry, I have to leave, but it's time better than this. A lovely song, lovely way to go out. I have to agree with you, Jude. In a completely different vein, Dan wrote in and suggested the Buzzcocks, Everybody's Happy Nowadays. It's a left field suggestion. It's full of optimism. In fact, Dan contends it's one of the greatest 60s pop songs ever recorded. It happened to be recorded in the late 70s. I was tired of being upset. And the lyric just says, everybody's happy nowadays. It's an upbeat little gem. What else is there to say? I love the idea that Fred can have a funeral song all to himself. When you're named Fred, what else can you choose for your funeral but Freddy's Dead by Curtis Mayfield? (laughs) Everybody's misused him. Perfect choice, Fred. I love it. I have to agree with you 100%. Remember Freddy's day. Sex Bob, OMD. Again, these are from the message board, so people come up with some fanciful monikers for themselves. He said he was torn. One choice was Try Not to Breathe by R.E.M., which, let's face it, is not all that hard when you're dead. <laughs> uh, but his, his main choice is Jeff Buckley's version of Corpus Christi Carol. He says not for the lyrics, since they don't relate to me in any way, but for the way he sings it. I think, I think a lot of people would go with a Buckley song. Yeah, he's got that voice, and uh, Querty agreed. She said that uh, she'd have Jeff Buckley's acoustic version of Satisfied Mind playing at her funeral. Uh, yeah, I'm dead, but you know what? I don't mind it that much, so neither should you. That would be your sentiment. <laughs> One thing's for certain When it comes my time I leave it so well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, with a satisfied mind. 
Jim, you and I have to step up. Well, we have to. Now. We have to give our suggestions. I, I say you get to go first. Oh, thank you very much. You, you, because you're, you're allowing me to pick my death song before yours. Well, you've okay. got seven years on me. You're seven years old. You're going <laughs> to get there seven first. Seven years closer. Is you're that what getting you're there first. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah. I, you know, I, I thought long and hard about this, Jim. One of my favorite songs of all time, and, and indeed the song that I'd want played at my funeral, is Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. Ah. And, now, which version, though? And, there's the Jeff Buckley, and there's Cohen's original. The Cohen original version, it's a great song, mucked up by horrible production. I think the production yeah. on the original Cohen song is, is terrible. I love Cohen's voice. I don't like the production on his version of it. I have to say that the definitive version of Hallelujah, the, the Cohen song, is by John Cale. Yeah. And uh, I think Cale's solo piano version of that song is just, uh, it just blows me away. Um, I think it's the 20th century answer to Amazing Grace. I really think this song is about, I did my best, it wasn't much, I couldn't feel, so I tried to touch, I've told the truth, I didn't come to fool you, and even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of Song with nothing on my tongue but Hallelujah. Basically saying, you know, I made a lot of mistakes, but yeah. it was still worthwhile. Maybe there's a God above But all I ever learned from love Is how to shoot at someone who outdrew you And it's not the cry that you hear tonight And it's not somebody who's seen the light It's a cold and it's a broken Hallelujah by John Cale, Greg's, uh, Greg's last song. That's, that's what's going to be playing right before I give your elegy, Greg. Uh, if I was going the uh, sincere route, as you did, I would think I'd have to go with Do You Realize by the Flaming Lips. One of the summations of, of my favorite theme in art, life is short, live for the moment, enjoy what we have here, and that would be the message I'd want my loved ones to be left with. Except I, I think I'd have to... I'd take the chance to be sarcastic one more time on my way out. <laughs> so I would play a version of this song. This is a cover. I'm not going to play the one by the man who uh, most famously claimed it as his own, which would be Frank Sinatra. As a man I have some kindred spirit for. <laughs> I was born at the same hospital where his daughter Nancy was born in Jersey City. Really? I grew up on the streets of Hoboken, New Jersey, as Frank did. I How to say this uh, romantically? I was experienced in the ways of love for the very first time on Frank Sinatra Drive in Hoboken. <laughs> uh, but but I, I wouldn't want to actually play any Sinatra. He's not my generation. Oh, God. This guy is, though. This, well, here, you just got to listen to it.
Oh, yes, that's the Sid Vicious, the immortal uh. Sid Vicious version of My Way. Those are uh, some funeral suggestions. You can always send us more at soundopinions.org. We're going to keep the creepy mood up, right, Greg? Absolutely. Halloween is coming up. We cannot let the occasion pass without discussing not only the history of goth music, but this incredible box set that has just come out documenting the history of the genre. One of the, I think, the first major attempts to uh, document the entire 25-year history of goth music. Rhino, of course, they specialize in these genre overviews. Uh, A Life Less Lived, the gothic box, features 53 tracks, three CDs, 12 music videos, and it comes, I mean, the packaging is just extraordinary, along with a very beautiful booklet, (laughs) and of course everything is black, heavy on the black and scarlet. It comes wrapped in a leather corset. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, Jim, you look you look great in it. I, 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 I you know, you you dress for the occasion. The fact Thank that you. you're wearing now wearing the leather corset from yes. the goth box set is very it's a very appropriate touch for for tonight. Before we talk about where goth came from and how it continues, let's uh, let's hear a little sampling. Uh, our ace producer Matt Fingers Spiegel did a little bit of a medley of some of the music included on A Life Less Lived, the Gothic Box. Here's a taste. What else is there to do but shed some tears after a medley of some of the gloomiest and scariest songs of all time, an entire genre devoted to the dark side of life called goth music. Let's uh, let's catch you up with where this genre started, where it came from. There's a lot of precedence for this, Jim. I mean, this is a movement that, although it got a name in the early 80s, has been around pop culture for many, many decades. I mean, centuries, obviously. I mean, anybody who's read Emily Bronte certainly knows, uh, you know, there's yeah. another side. You know, Mary, Mary Shelley writing yeah. about Frankenstein. You know, the kids running home from school in, in the 60s to watch Dark Shadows, the teen soap opera that dealt a lot with this darker world. The Alice Cooper concerts of the early 70s sort of pursuing the macabre side of life, the doors and the Velvet Underground dealing with these issues in their songs. But the music really found its center with the punk movement. The punk movement in the late 70s in England confronting, you know, the fact that we're not living on a very happy planet at the moment. And out of the punk movement, the goths came and and sort of investigated the psychodrama of the interior world, uh, the idea that there was a dark place in this world, and it's inside our heads, you know, and having a lot of fun with that idea. So you had bands like Susie and the Banshees, The Cure, 
Bauhaus emerging out of this punk movement in England in the late 70s that sort of became the precursors of what goth rock would eventually become. We wanted to try to pin down one song that would be kind of the definitive birth of goth, and there's only one place to go, right, Greg? Absolutely. I think Bauhaus was the one band that at the time sort of embraced goth rock and and put a name to it. At first, they were a little skeptical about the term, but eventually they embraced it to the point where they were performing this next song that we're going to play, Bella Lugosi's Dead. I mean, think about that title. (laughs) You know, it kind of sums up the genre in a lot of ways. They performed this song at Coachella a couple of years ago. I saw the performance, and uh, Peter Murphy, the lead singer in the band, is being lowered onto the stage as a bat being hung by his ankles. Hung by his ankles, right, yeah. So they, they definitely embraced the idea that, yes, we're a little bit gothic, we're a lot gothic, we're imitating a vampire, and uh, at the same time creating a very sensual soundtrack for the movement here with this great song. Let's hear it. This is Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus on Sound Opinions. Why don't white turns to some black capes back on the ground? Bella Lugosi's dead. The bats have left the bell tower The victims have been bled Red velvet lines The black box The loose is dead Creeped out, Greg. I'm getting in the mood. Are you getting there? <laughs> Vampires descending. Watch out. Bauhaus, the undead, their version of uh, Bella Lugosi's Dead. When we come back, we are going to get a tour of the dark, labyrinthian corridors of the gothic <laughs> underground. Listen to some of the best goth music being made today in that scene with our guide, DJ Scary Lady Sarah, who's DJed around the world at Gothic Club Nights. And we're going to end the show with two of us choosing some of our favorite and most scary rock songs of all time. That's when we return on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Codd of the Chicago Tribune, along with Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times. Boy, oh boy, it's one of my favorite shows of the year. Our Halloween show, we're taking the opportunity to examine goth rock, the scariest of rock and roll subgenres. No other contenders, really, Jim. Now that we've established some of the history of goth, and you're still hearing Bauhaus's Bella Lugosi's Dead playing underneath us, uh, we want to turn to a guest with an encyclopedic knowledge of what's happening right now in goth music. Our tour guide is DJ Scary Lady Sarah, who is a legend in the Midwest. Uh, has been hosting these nights called Nocturna for 18 years. She's now based part of the time in Chicago, part of the time in Berlin, which may be the second most gothic city, right, Sarah? Uh, <laughs> Chicago's trailing a little bit behind Berlin. Sure, just a little bit behind Berlin. You've DJed all over the world. Yeah. You uh, promote uh, shows by goth bands, bring them over from other countries to the U.S. I think the place to start is what is goth? Because people have a really hard time just getting their heads around what this genre is. Well, that's the hardest question and the most asked from the beginning of Usenet, I think, when people were discussing it. Um Goth music is usually you know, darker aesthetic, lyrical content, a little melancholy perhaps, definitely rock-based as far as just uh, instrumentation, mm. but gothic outside of the music, yeah, it's a whole subculture and genre, and there are all the trappings that go along with those, like I said, the accoutrements and fashion and your choice is in literature and lifestyle and... And what music you listen to is utmost importance. I mean, when you talk about goth music, you cannot not talk about bands like Bauhaus, The Cure, Susie and the Banshees, these progenitors in the English movement in the in the late 70s, early 80s, the Mission UK, Sisters oh, yeah. of Mercy. Yeah. Um, you had examples of it in Skinny Puppy, Ministry, Early Nine Inch Nails. Nowadays, AFI on top of the charts with a number one album with a lot of goth influences into their music and, and My Chemical Romance as well. Not necessarily pure oh, goth. Okay, yeah, I, but, I was waiting for the snicker. But there they have is. elements of goth <laughs> the in their They're music. on radio, Sarah. They can't see that. My Chemical Romance is, I don't know what they want to call our music, but it is not goth at all. Mm-hmm. What about AFI? They have eyeliner on. over the top. Yeah. It doesn't make them <laughs> goth <band. Yeah. laughs> Sounding like a rock critic. All right. <laughs> to me, AFI and My Chemical Romance, mm-hmm. bands like that are examples of how deeply this stuff has become ingrained in the culture, whereas before it was so much on the outside and so much alternative. Now you can buy these kind of goth clothes in, you know, in right. chain stores, and you can find this kind of music in mainstream culture where kids are sort of appropriating it as kind of, ooh, that's cool and scary and dangerous, but it's been totally you know, watered down by these bands to the point where they can sell millions of records doing it. Right, and they lose anything that would be really goth in these bands. I don't think that a goth band couldn't be successful, but um, just the reality of what it takes to sell millions of records in this country anyway, you're not going to, you have a lot of people to answer to and a lot (laughs) Mm -hmm. of uh, things to bend and... You're not going to get the real goth experience no. listening to these bands. No. Well, that's why we, we, when we want to tour the real goth underground with Sarah and, and listen to some of these bands that are bubbling under from both continents. Again, you DJ all over the world. You really have your finger on the pulse of the goth scene, or lack of a pulse, as the case may be. So <laughs> let's hear I some music. Cliches. You know, we want to play. I know. We just have, I'm, I'm having fun with them. No, I, know, I also I like feel like too. we should have a candelabra here. We should have totally. some absinthe, you know, and it's way too light. So, Sarah, let's talk about tunes you're excited about now, and we'll play some stuff. Oh, okay. 
this is really hard to narrow down because you I'm, could do four hours here. absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm a rabid music fan just full stop so i'm i'm and i have a voracious appetite for it so i'm to narrow this down was really tough but i'm gonna start off on the mellow side and work up tempo sure mm-hmm. uh there's an australian band called thatch noir and a little interesting anecdote is the reason his band is called Thatch Noir is that was the Australian slang term for Robert Smith's hairdo. Robert Smith of the Cure. That was yes. what is. Oh, that's great. And um, the song is called Cat in a Box, and I think it's goth, but not in that kind of Sisters of Mercy clone style goth, mm-hmm. which a lot of people think is all there is to it as well. But it's got a bit of like psychedelia and a little bit of trip hop, so it's. Great, great, great mood music. All right, let's hear some of this. This is uh, Thatch Noir with Cat in a Box on Sound Opinions. Sounds nothing like Bauhaus. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there are subgenres in the Gothic underground, just like there are in heavy metal. We, we sure. were joking uh, a week or two ago when we uh, talked about Mastodon that nobody loves naming different genres more than the metal underground. But Goth is close. There's ethereal, right? Is is and yeah. dark wave and yeah, the newest popular subsect of Goth is <laughs> the new revival of quote unquote death rock. Death rock, which okay. is when I. Before the word goth was really used to describe the scene in the music, mm-hmm. like when I was a teenager, that's what people called us. You're a death rocker. I'm like, okay, I guess so. But, <laughs> <laughs> but now it's, um, you know, 20 years later, and, and there is a huge revival of this death rock that down to the fashion, which is probably the most important part, I would say. I'm probably going to anger a couple of people. But mm. um, this death rock thing is massive in Germany, too. Mm. And New York, now they have a festival called the Drop Dead Festival every year. Huh. <laughs> yeah, The Drop Dead, that's great. <laughs> they take a little more of a horror, almost a comedic, you know, splatter, gore type of oh, okay. slant to it. A lot of songs about graveyards and hmm. blood and bones and things. And <laughs> what, have you got an example of that? Miguel and the Living Dead. <laughs> it's a Polish death rock band. All right. All right. Yeah. Miguel okay. and the Living Dead. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to play the first Polish band we've ever played on Sound Opinions, right, mm-hmm. Craig? Giving yeah. your heritage. My you, heritage you is finally going to get its props <laughs> after nearly a year on the air at BEZ. His uh, mom is named Jadwiga. Do they sing in Polish? She'd be able to translate. Oh, my God, yeah. She Some absolutely can. Some of songs they do, actually. All right. Yeah. She absolutely can. Do you think she'd like Death Rock? <laughs> you know, if it's in Polish, she's probably all over it. <laughs> <laughs> so Miguel and the Living Dead would be a good example of Death Rock. 
Yes, they're like a current band that's popular in, in Europe that are doing the, the death rock circuit. Yeah, let's hear some of this. <laughs> All right. More of a punky edge. Bombastic punk. The death rock side of the goth scene lacks, I think, the the romanticism, and it just goes straight for blood and guts. Lack of subtlety. Well, (laughs) and it needs to be noted that some goth bands are kind of cartoony and are kind oh, yeah. of stereotypical sure. and they play into all the cliches. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you uh, we were talking earlier, Sarah, about the uh, the new Rhino goth box set and you have a very funny article in the booklet <laughs> which is kind of making fun of and, and I think it's, it's a common perception that goth fans uh, and musicians don't have a sense of humor and that it couldn't be further from the truth. No, absolutely. You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media and we are in the midst of a tour of the goth rock underground with our guest, DJ Scary Lady Sarah. Play us some more tunes. What else you got on your hit list? One of my very favorite bands, and they kind of define for me a lot of what I feel I am as a goth, mm. which is 90s goth. Um, the 90s just put out a ton of great goth bands. I will probably never get any recognition. Yeah. <laughs> but um, one of them is Faith and the Muse, mm. and they're from L.A., and they have put out consistently great albums they diversify each time their most recent one the burning season they thought it was a much bigger departure from anything remotely goth than i heard when i heard it like okay this is still goth but it's recorded beautifully it's more mature it it doesn't do the you know spooky vocals or Mm. halloweeny thing at all it's just it's just good music really yeah so what is it that keeps it goth that's intangible. It's um, it's subconscious type of, of of a mood, a vibe, a feeling, mm. introspection in lyrics and the romanticism and the sensuality and the the gothness <laughs> of it. The <laughs> gothness of it. Yeah. So what's the track the, called? The, it's called Shredni Vashtar. Do you know what that means? I did, and <laughs> I just don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, Faith in the Muse, right?
That track was Shredni Vashtar. We were Googling that, trying to figure yeah. it out. It's apparently a <laughs> fantasy fiction character. I don't know how that relates to the song, but the lyrics are really great. I think they're really germane to today, and they're still introspective, so it makes it a little more goth than just pop rock. No, she's got an incredible <laughs> um, voice. What is she singing yes. in, in that chorus? Um, that what is luxury today is necessity tomorrow mm. is the main chorus and message. Ah, uh, the plush decadence of being a goth rocker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, combined with that decline yeah. and fall of exactly. the empire, <laughs> feeling, you know, standing you at the see. edge of yeah. doom and <laughs> decay. Talking to DJ Scary Lady Sarah, world-renowned goth DJ. You've DJed on pretty much three, four continents? A lot of places in Europe and 42 states, I think it is. All out right. Out of the 50. <laughs> wow. Um, Most goth state in America. Oh. <laughs> When you compare it to the things I've seen in Europe, yeah. I hate to say it, but it just, you can't. Although there uh, are vibrant scenes in New York and L.A., uh, mm-hmm. certainly Chicago, Minneapolis. For example, our Convergence Festival is a yearly goth festival. It's held in a different city mm-hmm. every time by, by vote. And the top attendance might be 1,500, mm-hmm. maybe. And then just one of the summer festivals in Germany gets 30,000 people. Wow. Goth is actually much bigger in uh, in South America than it is in portions of uh, America. Like, I would say there are more goth fans in Brazil than there are in North Dakota. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. What is the scariest track you've got there that you were going to expose us to in the goth underground? <laughs> this being Halloween. <laughs> the scariest. Oh, well, I'm wanting to deliver I for guess people. This could be appropriate then. Um, a song called The Haunting, and it's by a band from England called <laughs> Pretentious Moi. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That, so there's, that, there's goth humor. Indicative of a sense of humor. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> pretentious, pretentious moi, moi where do they fit in? What's the sound like? His vocals are probably my favorite goth male vocal still doing music, mm. which is a big thing for me to say. They come across as decidedly goth, but not derivative of Carl McCoy of the Fields and Ephraim or, or Peter Murphy of Bauhaus or Andrew Eldridge of Sisters of Mercy, which so many other male singers saying like they have to try and sound like one of those three but Mm. he doesn't but it's still it's deep and moody and just a tiny tiny bit of a gravel and the music is a lot of electronics and keyboards and a a pretty discernible dance beat Mm. uh, but with really great guitar work as well okay pretentious moi let's hear a little of this Too much time to kill Always 
So is it pretentious question mark? Moi? moi? It's pretentious, um, comma, moi, question mark. Oh, I see. <laughs> That's great. Well, Sarah, I certainly feel like my finger is on the pulse of the goth universe now, or I should perhaps say my fangs are <laughs> sunk into the gothic vein. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you're going to be able to find a list of DJ Scary Lady Sarah's goth selections at soundopinions.org. When we come back, Jim and I are going to play our choices for the scariest music of all time. Prepping you for your Halloween party, we encourage you to use the following songs as a soundtrack to creep out all your neighbors. That's next on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Usually, Greg, when we do these kind of your choice, my choice shows, uh, we flip a coin. Uh, Matt Spiegel comes in and does it. We flipped a severed head right now, and it, <laughs> it wound up skull for you. <laughs> oh, you're letting me go first again. I'm letting you the go first. Skull, the you're skull older. landed on the... Uh, you're older, okay. and you're getting to the grave first. So oh, That's right. I'm going fast, going down slow. Uh, I've got the perfect soundtrack for you, Jim. This is the... Uh, great Halloween type song, a great goth song, even though these guys weren't considered goths per se, I think they helped define the movement. Joy Division, to my mind, when you talk about exploring the dark side in that whole post-punk English movement of the late 70s, uh, this is the first band that springs to mind for me. In a lot of ways, they lived the life. Not that they wore the scary outfits, the black outfits, the eyeliner, the black nail polish, none of that stuff. But Ian Curtis, the lead singer in the band, was an unfortunate character who suffered epileptic seizures on stage throughout his career. I mean, he literally would collapse on stage. So there was already this haunted quality about the guy. He wrote a lot of songs about the dark side of life, committed suicide on May 18, 1980, at the age of 23, a moment that is memorialized in goth rock history. You know, a tragedy that has turned the band into sort of goth rock Godfathers, you know, not the best way to uh, make an example of yourself, but it certainly fit the music. Uh, there was a lot of imagery about dread, guilt, betrayal, and yet finding sort of a, a dark beauty within that. This song, I think, typifies what Ian Curtis was about, what Joy Division was about, that haunted sense of there's another world out there and we're going to explore it. You can't say it better than this song, Dead Souls from Joy Division on Sound Opinions.
that is Dead Souls from the band that gave us a picture of a mausoleum on the cover of their last <laughs> album, Closer. Uh, that's Joy Division, goth rock precursors. Okay, Jim, you have got to outfrighten me with your next selection. Well, I think you played this years ago, but we've never exposed it to the public radio audience. And uh, part of the fun of goth is listening for gothic influence in other areas that aren't goth. Uh, I think we could go on forever. There's a lot of gothic stuff in heavy metal, for example. And uh, this band was was an early metal group. They're an early goth group, if you think about it. They're, they're also bonehead hard rockers from Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> but what could possibly be more gothic than a song about a guy being being wheeled in on a gurney who has just been killed in a car crash and he's considering his passage to the other side, which may or may not be the white light. Who knows? He doesn't sound so happy to be DOA, dead on arrival. But the, the band was called Blood Rock. They really were buffoons in many ways from Fort Worth, Texas, led by a, a singing drummer. Very short list of good bands there named Jim Rutledge. And their second album in, I believe it was 71, is the one that yielded this hit. It was a huge regional hit, more so in the southwest parts of the, the west coast. But uh, it's a silly song, but you got to love it. DOA by Blood Rock. Life is flowing out my body. Pain is flowing out with my blood. The sheets are red and moist where I'm lying. God in heaven, teach me how to It's 
Blood Rock, DOA. Life is flowing out my body. Pain is flowing out with my blood. The sheets are red and moist where I'm lying. <laughs> God in heaven, teach me how to die! Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Scary stuff. Uh, top that, Cot. Jim DeRogatis, Mr. Goth. Well, I'm going to flip over to an artist who is not considered goth by any stretch of the imagination, but he embodied a goth song and made it his own, as he did so many other songs in the uh, lexicon of the last half century. And I'm speaking of Johnny Cash. Um, He took a song by Nick Cave, who is associated with the goth movement. Uh, His first band, The Birthday Party, sort of fell into that territory. We heard the uh, weeping song before. Mr. Cave had an obsession with the dark side of life, had had an obsession with murder ballads. Uh, He fit in very nicely with that that movement in the early 80s. One of his best songs was written post-Birthday Party, and it's called The Mercy Seat. It's essentially the story of a death row inmate's last seconds on the planet. He's being strapped into the electric chair, (laughs) the mercy seat (laughs) of the title, and he's describing what's going through his mind, the crime he, he did or did not commit. We really don't find out until the very last line of the song, and the way Johnny Cash builds to that moment is incredible. Listen to the backing instrumentation. Johnny Cash may not be a goth, but the backing instrumentation on this song is terrific. Ben Montench on piano and organ, setting the mood, building to that crescendo at the end of the song. It's, to my mind, an amazingly dark, scary song. One of the scariest songs of all time, The Mercy Seat on Sound Opinions. It all began when they took me from my home and put me on death row. A crime for which I'm totally innocent, you know. I began to warm and chill To objects and their feels A ragged cup, a twisted mop The face of Jesus in my soup Those sinister dinner deals The meal trolley's wicked wheels A hook bone rising from my food And all things either good or ungood And the mercy seat is waiting And I think my head is burning And in a way I'm yearning To be done with all this weighing of the truth An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth And any way I told the truth And I'm not afraid to die I hear stories from the chamber Christ was born into a manger And like some ragged stranger He died upon the cross Might I say it seems so fitting In its way he was a carpenter by trade Or at least that's what I'm told My kill hands tattooed evil Across its brother's fist That filthy five They did nothing to challenge or resist In heaven his throne is made of gold The ark of his testament is stowed A throne from which I am told All history does unfold It's made of wood and wire And my body is on fire And God is never far away Into the mercy seat I climb My head is shaved, my head is wired And like a moth that tries to enter the bright eye I go shuffling out of life Just to hide in death a while And anyway I never lie And the mercy seat is waiting And I think my head is burning And in a way I'm yearning To be done with 
with all this weighing of the truth An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth And anyway I told the truth And I'm not afraid to die And the mercy seat is burning And I think my head is glowing And in a way I'm hoping to be done With all this twisting of the truth An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth And anyway there was no proof And I'm not afraid to die And the mercy seat is glowing And I think my head is smoking And in a way I'm hoping to be done With all these looks of disbelief A life for a life and a truth for a truth And I've got nothing left to lose And I'm not afraid to die And the mercy seat is smoking And I think my head is melting And in a way that's helping To be done with all this twisting of the truth An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth And anyway I told the truth But I'm afraid I told a lie Mercy Seat from Johnny Cash. The Mercy Seat is smoking and I think my (laughs) head is melting. He did it. Oh, yes, he did it. He admits it. He fesses up on the very last line of the song. What a great, great tune. Greg, uh, we cannot have done a goth show or a Halloween show, for that matter, without playing a track by Susie Sue. Susan Janet Ballion was her real name. (laughs) Born in Bromley, was part of the legendary Bromley contingent of punk rock fans who were the earliest uh, followers of the Sex Pistols. But boy, did she create her own memorable identity for herself. From becoming part of this crew of hangers-on, a voice that's really one of a kind, a sound that's really one of a kind, the queen of goth, black eyeliner, bondage gear, an icy stage persona, songs about death. I mean, she just had it all. <laughs> she's, she's still great. I, You know, there are any number of Susie tracks that I could play. But, um, you know, for some reason, and I think it'll be good to illustrate, this song has always been the one that really struck me. It's a cover. And you would not think that it's a creepy song in the original. But when you hear the way Susie sings it, and it's not overt, it's very, very subtle, but there's this air of menace. Dear Prudence, won't you come out to play? What is she going to do with Prudence? I'm really, I'm worried for Prudence. I mean, like the classic horror movie, you know, you follow the heroine down that dark corridor, and you know she shouldn't open that door, but she's gonna, and you jump, and you scream. And I think it's it's, uh, one of Susie's greatest moments that she almost succeeds in stealing the song away from the Beatles and John Lennon. This is uh, Susie and the Banshee's cover of Dear Prudence.
Susie and the Banshees, pretty good way to go out, huh? Greg, uh, their cover of Dear Prudence by I, the Beatles. I do love that song, and it does creep me out. You're right, and I never really did think about the gothic implications of that song until you brought it up, Jim, so I want to thank you for sending that shiver down my Ruining spine. Ruining that song for you forever. Last, uh, <laughs> last bit of fright for the evening. Uh, it's Greg, been a lot of fun. frightening things uh, lurk under any rock that you want to turn over. That's the point of gothic music and the point of this show. Absolutely. We're going to be back next week with something not quite so scary, but it's going to be a fine, fine show nonetheless. Sound Opinions back at its usual time next week with more news and music reviews. Greg, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Tori, the creature with the atom brain, Malatia, is our executive producer. Todd Frankenstein Bachman is our managing producer and director. Matt Pinhead Spiegel is our producer. Robin Succubus Lynn is one of our associate producers, and uh, Jason Wolfman Saldana is the other. Uh, we get some legal help from Adino Vampire Armiros, some technical assistance from Joe Hal Dassault, and of course, Jim Russell over at American Public Media is the Prince of Darkness. What are you doing, Jim? <laughs>